Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, my name's Kevin McDonnell, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. I meet and speak to a lot of people who are looking to get started in property. They've got a drive to build a property business, but they're scared. They're not sure where to start. They're not sure what type of property to buy. They're fearful of making a mistake. So they get that first deal and it's the worst deal they could possibly do. When I started my journey, the first deals I did were massive, massive mistakes. So I understand where you're coming from and that that is a massive, massive decision. We've been taught all through our lives that your property, the property you buy, that is the biggest investment of your life. So we can't afford to get it wrong. So what I want to do on this episode of the podcast is talk you through the things you need to look at when identifying what type of property to buy. So I'm going to hold your hand and show you step by step how to know when a property would be a good investment to buy. So I've got seven things that I always look for when looking to buy a property. If I'm going to invest in a property, all seven of these boxes need to be ticked before I will move forward and invest my money into that deal. So number one is strong rental demand. You should not be looking to buy a property unless you are sure that you can find tenants for that property. There's so much data on the internet today. You can literally go on Google and research tenant demand. What is the tenant demographic in your area? What types of people want to live in the area? What types of property do they want to live in? If you're not great on Google, you can just walk down the high street, walk into some letting agents and ask them, what types of property are renting out today? The customers that they have walking into their shop, what are they looking for? Are they looking for one or two bed flats? Are they looking for three, four, five bedroom properties? What are they looking for? Are they looking for rooms? So is there strong rental demand? You can ask the letting agents, is there as many people walking in your front door today as there was 12 months ago? Has demand dried up? Is there still a strong rental demand in the area. If you know there's a strong rental demand, then that will build your confidence and give you the clarity that buying a property in this area will rent out easily because the demand is there. If you're looking for roomlet properties, so like houses of multiple occupation, rent to rents or purchased houses of multiple occupation, before you would take on the rent to rent deal or take on the, the HMO deal, the house of multiple occupation, the first thing you should do is run an ad. Run an ad for tenants. Place an ad on platforms, on signs in shops. You could put a sign outside your own house or a friend's house saying rooms to rent. If the phone doesn't ring, there's no demand. If the phone never stops ringing, get out there and secure some deals. So when I started investing in property, I had actually been renting for a number of years myself. Now, the area I chose to invest in was the area I lived in. Here's the thing. People will rent in every town in the country. If there's properties in a town, people will own some of them. People will rent some of them. Your job is to work out what the 
population is and then what the demand is within that town. So you might have a huge demand for a three-bed property, but no demand for a one-bed, or a huge demand for a three-bed, but no demand for rooms, or vice versa. How do you find out? You do the research online, you speak to the local agents, but also you could do what I did at the start of my journey. I was a renter. I was going around looking at other landlords' properties for rental. I'd go and look at a house. I'd go away and I'd think about it for 24 hours. I'd ring the agent and say, I'd like to take that property. And they'd say, I'm really sorry, it's gone. This happened to me three or four times in a few days when I was looking to move rental property once. What did that say to me? Huge demand, huge demand. So how can you test demand? You should be going out and mystery shopping other landlords' properties. Go view their houses. Also, you want to see what they're offering anyway. So what's the condition of the property? What colour are they painting their walls? What type of kitchen are they using? Are they using carpets or laminate flooring or hardwood flooring? What's in their property so that you know the type of house that's going to rent quickly? Because it's not necessarily that houses won't rent in your area because there's tenants everywhere. It's what is being done to the property that makes it rent quicker than the competition? Which house will rent before the other property? So is it carpets over laminate? Is it hardwood flooring? Is it none of that? Is it that the kitchen is better in one property than another one? This also helps you know where you need to spend your money to get the biggest bang for your buck when you do do your refurbishment. Also, it's not necessarily that there's no demand in your town, but it can be areas within areas. So like roomlet tenants, typically, not always, but typically the majority won't have cars. So they rely on public transport. They want to be closer to the town centre, to trains, to bus stations. So you could find huge demand for roomlet tenants in your town, but you buy a property and convert it to rooms in the wrong street within your town. So I had one property that was 25 minutes walk from town centre, beautiful property, but we found it difficult to find tenants for it. Tenants would even choose a house closer to the town centre that was in much worse condition because it was more convenient. Also, your town might be perfect for working class tenants, maybe blue collar workers, while the town 20 minutes away is more of the white collar worker area. So your middle management, your doctors, your nurses, your engineers, different types of tenants in different types of towns. You're not going to get students in a town that doesn't have a university. You're not going to get lots of doctors and nurses wanting to rent in a, ha in a town where there's no hospital. So what is the demand in your area, but also what types of people are working in your area? So what is the jobs in your area? So point number two is cash flow. You need to be investing in property that pay you today, not pay you in 20 years time. When I started off my property journey, I thought property investing was about buying a property where I got a tenant to pay some of the rent and I topped it up with wages from my job and then I'd have that house in 30, 40 years time when I'd retire. It was a retirement plan. The reality is your properties that you buy sh should be a business. They need to create you an income today not an income in 20, 30, 40 years time. They need to provide you with positive cash flow today. 
So what is positive cash flow? Well, it is your rental income coming in. That's your income, your turnover, minus your expenses. So your rental income minus your expenses equals your profit or your cash flow. So if your rental income is, let's say, £1,000 a month, and you've got a mortgage of 400 and you've got bills of 200 then your total cost would be 300 mortgage plus 200 bills, £500. And your rental income is 1000 so your cash flow would be £500. Any property deal that you're looking to invest in, you need to make sure that it has got positive cash flow. It has got to pay you today. The only way you're going to get to replace your income from your job is through cash flow. If you are looking to buy property for long-term capital growth, you've got to continue to work because your wages will be what was paying your cost of living. By building up cash flow generating assets, you are building up an amount of money every month that can replace the need for you to go to work. It can replace it can cover your cost of living. There is a reason for the saying, equity is vanity, cash flow is sanity. Because cash flow is sanity, because that is the only thing that can get you free of your job. Also, cash flow is the only thing in property that recession-proofs you. We are heading into potentially the biggest, if not the biggest, crash in history. Reset, not not crash. We are heading into potentially the biggest recession in history. Certainly the biggest since the major crash of 2008. A lot of people who have built up equity in properties over the last three, four, five, six years, they could see that equity wiped out overnight if there's a drop in house prices. But the rental income will continue to come in. There'll still be cash flow. People say, oh, well, but if people lose jobs, there won't be any rental income. The reality is people lost jobs in 2008 and rents still went up. Why? Because of inflation. People, whether there's a recession, whether there's a boom, they live in houses. Whether they can't, don't have a job or not, the government will pay the rents. There's universal credit, there's housing benefits. There is rental income coming in every single month, whether it be a booming market or a recession. But if you have put all of your property investments based on capital growth, you can see that wiped out. Cash flow recession proofs you. Number three is the ability to add value. When you are looking to invest in a property, make sure there's the ability to add value. Can you turn a two-bed house into a three-bed or a one-bed flat into a two-bed? Can you add an extension? Can you put a loft conversion on? Is there a way that you can add value? If you're buying a one-bed flat that can only ever be a one-bed flat, you're not going to be able to force value, add value. All you can do is hope that the property market goes up over time. What you are actually doing when you're hoping the property market will go up over time is you're gambling. Professional property investors understand that making money is about adding value to the property. You buy a property at today's value or below today's value and then you force value 
by making improvements to that property. You could put in new kitchens, new bathrooms, change the carpets, change the flooring, paint, decorate. You can add value through refurbishment and you can add value through adding additional rooms, adding extensions to the property. So what's the footprint of the property? New bills, you don't add value because it's new, it's shiny, it is what it is. The developer has already took as much of the footprint as possible. I mean, they're making new build houses smaller and smaller and smaller all of the time and your gardens are small, the space between the properties is shrinking because the developer is trying to get as much value out of that bit of ground as possible. When you're buying old stock of property, you can do the very same thing. You can add value. You can make the most of the floor space, the most of the ground square footage that you have got to add as much value as possible. Force the value of your property to increase your long-term wealth. Every single property deal I look at, I look at how I can add value. If I add value to the property, I don't just add value to the bricks and mortar valuation of that property, I'm also adding to the cash flow. Because if you increase a property, if you take a three-bed house and turn it into a five-bed HMO, or if you take a one-bed flat and convert it into a two-bed, whatever way you use to add value, you're also increasing the monthly rental income from that property, meaning you're putting more money in your pocket every single month and you've created a much higher valuation for your property for the long-term legacy. But finally, you've also allowed yourself to get almost all, if not all, of your initial investment back out. Because if you can push that value up as high as possible, then you leverage banks' money to pull your initial investment back out of that deal, meaning you then can recycle your cash and use the same money to go do the same thing over and over and over again. Number four is capital growth potential versus stable property prices. So what do I mean by stable property prices? Stable property prices are if you've got a house that's been around for 50, 60 plus years, 100 plus years, it's got a stable property price. The market, you can go online and see houses that have sold in that street in the last few months and you can base your value on that. You can work out what you're willing to pay based on what other houses have sold for. A non-stable property price would be a new build property. It's new, it's shiny, the developer puts a price on it. You've got nothing to compare it to. You don't have historic sales. You don't, you cannot see how much that street has gone up in value over the last 5, 10, 15 years. You want to be looking at older stock properties where the prices are stable and the growth is measurable. That gives you the best ability to be able to determine future capital growth potential on that street. Number five is looking at the local economy. So what do I mean by the economy? I mean the job potential, the population growth of the area. If it's a good economy, that means that companies are moving into the town, they're opening up in the town, they're bringing jobs to the town. And if companies are coming to the town and bringing jobs to the town, then people are coming to the town. 
When there's a lot of work in a town, a lot of jobs in a town, people will spend more money. It boosts the economy. So if you've got an area where there's a good economy, then there's going to be a bigger population growth. If you're in an area where there's a bad economy or a poor economy, if there's companies shutting down, if there's companies leaving the town, then what that means is there's also going to be people leaving the town. There's going to be higher unemployment, meaning you're going to find it more difficult to rent your property out. The type of economy in your town can link to the type of property you want to invest in. If you've got a high unemployment rate in your town, then you're going to want to find a lot of maybe single-let properties that you can rent to universal credit, so government-backed tenants, or maybe a lot of houses of multiple occupation. But you would, your tenant type would be um, universal credit type tenants. So your economy gives you, your so your understanding of the local economy gives you the foresight to identify the type of properties that's going to give you the best tenant demand in that area. Now, I'm not saying if you're in an area that's a poor economy at the moment that you shouldn't necessarily invest there. One of the key lessons I learned from Mark Homer when I came to Progressive Property, now Mark Homer, for anyone listening in who doesn't know him, is one of the co-founders of Progressive Property. One of the lessons I learned from him at the start of my property journey was that if you're in an, a brilliant area, if it's already the best it can be, there's no way you can improve it. If you're in an okay area, it can become good. If you're in a really bad area, it can become okay or good or even more. The point is, don't necessarily write off a poor economy, a poor area, because there's room for improvement there. What you need to do is look at the town, look at the council, speak to the council, read your town plan. What is the plan to improve this area? If there's no plan for the town, if there's no regeneration, then it may be too soon to go there. But if there's a plan, if there's regeneration happening, then you can ride that wave to success. Just like on point three, the ability to add value, well, point five is all about the ability for that economy to grow, the ability for that area to be regenerated. You're, you're adding value to the property on point three through the work you do to the property, but by buying in a regeneration area, in an up-and-coming area, the area is also helping you and supporting you in increasing the value of your property. So you get a double win. So, for example, I bought an empty shop on a high street in my area that used to be an old cafe that shut down and I converted it into our letting agency. So, it's my office where all my staff work and they manage my properties. The reason I bought that building was because I looked at the town plan. So, I'm in the Nottinghamshire area in a town where the high street has been virtually killed off by Amazon, by covid by businesses shutting down all around me. So I could have picked up one of 20 different commercial buildings on the high street, but I specifically purchased the one that I did for a reason. It was because of the town plan. Because at the moment, when I purchased it, it is a tourist building. However, the town plan shows that they are opening up a walkway directly next door to my building to try and bring footfall from the new bus station 
up to the top end of the town. The top end of our town has been completely decimated. There's still business at the bottom end of town. The, the local council have got a huge government grant to invest in bringing business back to the top part of town. I specifically purchased that building so I could ride the wave of investment from that government grant. They are doing an entire new shop front for me. They're going to completely refurbish the entire um, brickwork of my building on the front, on the side, on the back. They're putting new windows in all through government money, meaning the building that I purchased will have more than doubled in value at no cost to me. Number six, which leads on perfectly from that, is make your money when you buy. When I bought my shop, I made my money when I bought. I banked future money. You need to buy at the right price. So you can do what we covered in point three, adding value. You can look at the economy and the regeneration, but you also still need to make sure that you buy at the right price. So if a property is on the market for a hundred grand, sometimes you could buy it for a hundred grand because that's the right price. Why? Because other external factors, like the council investing in an area, might increase that property to 200 grand. Or you bought it for 100 grand, but you know you can convert it from a three bed to a six bed and make it worth 150 grand. So you've all, you're buying it at the right price. But if the property is 100 grand and it's a three bed semi-detached house in perfect condition and there's nowhere where you can add value and nowhere where you can extend it and there's no government regeneration happening, then buying it for 100 grand would leave you with 100 grand of value. So you want to be buying that property below the asking price. You want to be buying it for maybe 70, 75 grand. So buying at the right price does not necessarily mean buying 25% below the asking price. It means buying 25% below the potential future added value. What will it be worth when it's finished? Take away 25%, then take away the cost of your works, and that will leave you with the maximum offer price. And finally, number seven is the management. The first six points were all about how to find the properties, how to make sure you are buying the right type of property. But yeah, once you own that property, you need to manage it. You need to take care of it. You need to look after it. Make sure you are buying in an area where there is good management companies who can look after that property for you or where you can set up your own management company. The one thing you do not want to be doing is managing it yourself. The whole point of property investment is to free you from your job, not create you another job. So you either need to be, so you need one of two things, really good management companies to look after the property for you so you can work on your business and not in it, or where you can create a really good management company that do the work for you so you can focus on your strength, finding more deals to increase your wealth. 
So they're the seven key things I look for when identifying a good property investment. So just to recap, number one, strong rental demand. Number two, positive cash flow from day one. Number three is the ability to add value. Number four is capital growth potential and stable property prices. Number five is the economy, the local economy. Number six is you make your money when you buy. And finally, number seven, good management. So if you've got any questions about any of these points, if you've got any other points you could add to the list, anything that you look for in a property investment, join the Progressive Property Facebook community, put your comments in there, tag me in, and let's have a chat, let's have a discussion. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Progressive Property YouTube channel. We're putting new content out there every single week on YouTube that can help you on your property journey. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You're amazing.